And we are live. This is the Canada Hoops Daily Present Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I am fired up to be here because the Raptors won. I know at some point, Raptors fans, it was like, wait, are they ever going to win another game? I'm joking. I'm joking, obviously. It was a four-game losing streak, but that's all in the past now because your Toronto Raptors are winners as they win 135-128 to 128 against the Atlanta Hawks. And what a good game for your Toronto Raptors on a bunch of fronts. You had Pascal Siakam hitting threes. You had Jakob Bertl hitting clutch free throws, coming up with huge blocks. Scotty doing his normal thing where he's doing a little bit of everything. Raptors executing in winning time. What a beautiful thing to see here as we talk about the Raptors winning their first game in what seemed like a very long time. Raptors hitting 18 threes. Talk about it. We discussed on the last episode about how it's a three-point shooting contest in the NBA. And guess what? The Raptors hit their threes and they won. Funny how that worked. But we will break it all down as we always do here on the Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up podcast, which you can find live after each and every Toronto Raptors game. You can interact with us live by sending in your comments and questions at the YouTube page, which is Canada Hoops Daily. You can also follow along and interact with us live on the app formerly known as Twitter at Can Hoops Daily. Make sure you follow me at Shell Alexander on Twitter and at Sheldon Alexander on Instagram as well. That's how you can interact with this, the show that is the Wrap It Up podcast. We are back and having fun and enjoying Raptors wins on a lovely Wednesday night. But I'll also say this, lots more to come from the Canada Hoops Daily brand. So make sure you're following the accounts on Instagram and on Twitter. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But the pillar, the launch of Canada Hoops Daily is around this, the Raptors post-game show, because it's nights like this, Raptors fans, is why this show exists. And we need to discuss just what went down in an epic win, a great win for your Toronto Raptors, as they defeat the Atlanta Hawks. And you know what? Coming into this game, both the Hawks and Raptors were struggling. Both teams coming in on four-game losing streaks. And I think when you when you you're coming into a game like this and you're the Raps and you know that you play them again on Friday, the first game is so important. I feel like you want to get off to a really good start in this split because you feel like going into the second game, the other team's going to be a lot more, you know, hyped up. The first game, though, you got to get that one. And I think the Raptors came out, you know, they came out with the mentality that's been tough for them because we know the Raptors have been struggling in the first quarter. And what really helped them, I thought, was a start by Pascal Siakam. Now, you're going to see the stat flying around. Pascal Siakam hit a bunch of threes in this game. He hit, what, five of seven from three in this game, if not mistaken, or five of six from three. Pardon me. Don't want to mess up that stat, Pascal. Pascal was on one from three. And I think that's really cool. But shouts to Alvin, who was emphasizing this on the broadcast. Yes, he knocked down his threes. And it's the first time he hit multiple threes in a game since November 1st. But most importantly, I thought Pascal Siakam started this game by dominating the paint. 
You look at this stat line, and yes, Pascal finished with a big-time line. He had 33 points, 7-7 and as well. That's rebounds and assists for those tuning in at home. But the importance of starting inside is so huge for Pascal Siakam because I think that gets the team going. That gets him going. He's going downhill. You're gaining confidence. You're seeing the ball go through the basket. And if you're finishing with 33 points on 12 of 19 shooting, as mentioned, five of six from three, that's a big boy night from Pascal Siakam. And it's interesting because there's so much talk about the Atlanta Hawks. And we know in the offseason there were trade rumors about the Hawks being really interested in trying to get Pascal. And then there were leaks that Pascal might not be interested in re-signing with the Hawks. So we know all that's going to come back up, of course, with the Hawks in town, right? And Pascal still unsigned. If this was his audition, bravo, my dude. <laughs> and when I say audition, obviously we know, or from what was leaked out into the press, he did not want to go to Atlanta. Pascal wants to stay in Toronto. He wants to get his contract in Toronto. But if we're at this point, we're at this juncture where he knows that you're wanted. You know, don't we all just want to be wanted by somebody else? And if you're Pascal and you know that you're wanted by the Atlanta Hawks, there might be a little extra pep in your step, you know? And he showed out. And when you're playing as confidently as Pascal was in this game, they talked about it. Shouts to Alvin again, right? Like you're, how do you stop that? When he's committed to going downhill, when he's committed to getting buckets in the paint, and then he's able to step outside and knock down threes, that's a real problem. That's the all-NBA player Pascal Siakam showed us a couple years back. And he's not going to go five of six from three every night. He's probably not even going to shoot six threes every night. But he clearly needed a night like this to build his confidence after struggling for most of the season from beyond the arc. But I also just think that that's not even the most important part. I still like the fact that even with him being five of six from three, he didn't take the seventh or the eighth or the ninth. You know what I mean? He stayed focused, stayed going downhill, and that's where his bread is getting buttered this season. He talked about it earlier in the year about how there's not many guys that, that have better post-game or post-efficiency than he does, and he showed it in a game like this. They talked about it how 63% of his points this season have come in the paint. That's a pretty high number, and it works. He finished with 33 points, which ties Chris Bosh for third most 30-point games in franchise history. He is 60. He tied Chris Bosh course the only two Raptors ahead of him pretty easy to guess DeMar DeRozan and Vince Carter and if we go through the game the, the key to me was the start Pascal 14 points in his first nine minutes of this game as mentioned he came out hot early knocking down multiple threes and I feel like you know the date right now I had to double check because it's almost it's almost Christmas which keeps tripping me out but it's December 13th the first time my guys hit multiple threes in a game since November 1st. <laughs> That's crazy. But as has been the theme in most Raptors games this season, 
defense optional first quarter as the Hawks were shooting 57%, including six of six of 10 from three themselves. They scored 39 points on the Raptors in that first quarter. And I thought Trey Young, I mean, Trey Young hit a shot right before the buzzer, right at the buzzer, which gave them the lead 39-31 after one. Five straight games, the Raptors have given up 35 or more points in the first quarter. And that's not good. But the one thing I will say is that they've remained in striking distance in most of those games. Do you want to be giving up that much points? No, of course not. But they're playing with enough pace and tempo to at least be keeping it close, keeping it in striking distance. And they're getting their buckets too, right? Darko, we've listened to him over the last few days. He's talked about defense and tightening things up. And after that first quarter, you're talking about a squad in the Raptors that have allowed their opponents to shoot over 50% for multiple quarters in a row. I think it got up to like eight of the last nine. And their bench continues to be kind of an up and down, up and down roller coaster. I mean, Malachi, I thought, did a good job. You, you look at the stats here, Malachi with eight assists in this game. He was 0 for 4 from the floor, 0 for 3 from three-point land, but eight assists. That's point guard play. That's showing that he can contribute even if he's not knocking down shots. And that, I think, is very huge. Gary Trent Jr., 4 of 11, 12 points. You know, not the best game from the bench, but a solid game. They contributed as well. They played good support for the big boys who put in work, right? Precious, 7 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks. 2 blocks from Chris Boucher off the bench. Solid support for the big boys who took care of business in this game. As mentioned, Pascal with 33. Your man, Scotty B, with 27, 10, and 6. OG getting in on the act. He was 10 of 13 from the floor. 10 of 13. That's super efficient. 22 points for OG. And OG is starting to string together some very nice games. And slowly, right, defense is still... An issue, you know, they couldn't get stops when they needed them against the Knicks and cool, but they got them in this game. And I think while that's happening, the offense is starting to kind of look a little better. Guys are starting to figure out when they can get their buckets, how they can get their buckets. And the rotation is kind of falling into place in terms of, even if you don't know the players, you kind of know Scotty, when he's on with the bench, you got to go. Pascal, when he's up, I mean, Pascal's always in go mode. We don't, we don't got to worry about that. But OG, same thing. And Scotty Barnes, again, I want to give him credit because we talked about it a lot early on this season on this pod about Scotty Barnes getting off to good starts and Scotty being aggressive early as he's been aggressive late the majority of the season. He did that in this game as well. And that's a great sign. That's what I mean in terms of being able to give the raps like even if their defense isn't there, the scoring is still there and you can hang around, hang around until you're able to get stops. Cause you know, at some point they're going to get stops, right? So you just keep playing it out and playing it out. And I mentioned the big boys doing work, Pascal, Scotty, and OG scored or assisted on 54 of the Raptors, 64 points in the first half. And that's what I mean. There's different ways that the bench can contribute. It's not always going to be, something that jumps out at you on the stat sheet. But if you're just able to buy minutes while the big boys either rest and, you know, figure their ish out, 
you get games like this where Siakam and Barnes, so much talk about can these guys play together? And of course they can. It's about how everyone else falls in line and falls in place. Now, at halftime, the Hawks were still shooting 53%. But the Raptors were able to claw back into the game and were only down two at the break. And I think if you're the Raps, that's the key. Closing quarters, right? You're closing a 12-point deficit, turning that into two. Now you're heading into the locker room a little more excited, you know? You're feeling good. You know you can get this Atlanta Hawks team as they were shooting the lights out, but the Raps were able to keep it close. The third quarter is where this game flipped, and it was from the three-point line. Raptors hit nine threes in that third quarter. They were nine of 12 overall. That's crazy. And it wasn't just one player. You had five different players hit a three, including your man's Gary Trent Jr., who hit three of his four shots from deep. And when you're getting that from Gary, right, he's supposed to be your microwave guy off the bench. And it's just perfect because sometimes that's what Pascal and Scotty need because a lot of times they're carrying the offense themselves. You just need little spurts from other guys to support. And that's what Gary was able to provide in this game. And again, you look at the full stats from the whole game and it might not look that pretty, but when the Raps really needed it, when the game really flipped in that third quarter, Gary Trent was leading the way with what Gary Trent is supposed to lead the way in, which is three-point shooting. Season high for threes and for the Raptors, we know, was against the Bucks. They had 19 threes in that game. They had 17 through three. And by that point, it's, it's just where the game flipped. And that barrage, the Raps are such a team, especially when they're rolling at home. The Raps are such a team that once they get going and the crowd starts getting into it, they start feeling themselves a little bit. That's when, you know, the avalanche starts to come and then the Hawks, you know, they're going to try to match it. But Trey Young, like it's, it's such a weird, like disjointed team. Sadiq Bay, I thought he'd be a much better fit on the Hawks and it's kind of working. You see it in spurts, but not fully. They got Wes Matthews getting a lot of run. And I don't mean to knock Wes Matthews because I think he's a solid NBA player. But I think if you're relying that much on Wes Matthews, your team might have some issues. And then you got Bogdan coming off the bench, who's just a straight certified cooker himself. But they also look like a team that needs a shakeup. Hence, you know, I mean, if you really think about it and you look at it from the Hawks point of view, if you were able to get rid of a couple of like one of your guards and plug in Pascal Siakam, kind of see how that would fit and how it would balance out their team, right? And, you know, if I'm being honest, if you take one of their guards, put them on the wraps, a team that needs guards, I could see how that kind of fits. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know what's going to happen with the wraps and Pascal Siakam, but I do know that it's going to be fun to talk about for the next couple months because I don't think this is getting sorted out soon either. And watching Pascal play at this level, I've said this from the start of the season, Pascal playing big time helps everybody. It helps him because he wants a max contract. 
It helps the Raps because if they want to trade him, obviously you want to trade trade him when he's playing well at his highest value. And of course, if they want to keep him and pay him the money, they're going to want to do that because he's playing really well. And hey, here we are. And I thought one the, the last part of this game that I really want to highlight is the fourth quarter because it's winning time. And I stress this all the time. What do you do in winning time? The first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, cool. It's all fun in games, but a lot of times when the game is within reach, it comes down to what do you do in winning time? And I think the Raptors had a very key stretch in this game where they got stops, they hit baskets, and that's really where they won the game because we've seen it go the other way where it's winning time and their offense stalls and other teams, best players are able to hit the big shots that the Raptors best players haven't been able to do. So I think this game deserves that celebratory recap of what happened in winning time. And the Raps found themselves up 109, 101 and the Raptors turned over the ball twice. Bogdanovich hit a three next time down the floor. Trey young finds Bogdanovich again. And Oh no, is this, is this what I'm talking about here? The normal struggles we see from the Raps after back-to-back threes from Bogdanovich cuts the lead to 109 to 107 for the Raps. Raps call timeout, but you know what? They come out of that timeout, Pascal back to going downhill, gets to the cup, he's able to get the basket, and then this was huge. This sequence of plays in which Jacoperto comes up with a huge block on Trey Young. Raps take the ball back down the floor. OG throws down a massive dunk, which was big. Then the Hawks come right back down again. Trey Young's trying the same thing. Yak is not having it. Another big time block from Yak. Raps go the other way again. Scotty Barnes with a super acrobatic layup where he dribbled it under the basket. Looked like he was going to go all the way to the other side, but nope. Stopped midway, came back around, hit the acrobatic acrobatic layup. My guy's screaming, the flexing, the crowd's going crazy. And one, the vibes are high. Raps extend the lead to 115-107. And I thought that's really where the game was over. Add in the fact that the Hawks tried to play hack-a-yak at the end and send Jacoperto to the foul line in hopes that he'd miss free throws. And big shouts to Alvin, who confidently said he's going to hit both of them. And do you know what he did? He hit both free throws. So shouts to Jacoperto, because I think Yak, it's it's tough, right? Because when you look at this Raptors team overall, a lot of a lot of fingers are going to get pointed at Jacoperto because, and unfairly, because it's not his fault that the Raptors gave up a first-round pick to get him at the deadline last year when a lot of people thought the Raptors should be sellers. They turned into buyers to get Jacoperto, give up an asset for him when they could have just signed him in the offseason because he wanted to come here anyways, right? That's not his fault. So now he's in the starting lineup with this team, with the other guys who might not be the best fits around him and his skill set as he tries to figure out the two-man game with Schroeder, You know, we know he had it going last year with Freddie for a bit, but it doesn't really work as well yet with Scotty or Pascal, who do a lot of the ball handling. Like, we know that it's an odd fit. But I think overall, Yak has been a very solid contributor for the Raps, night in, night out. He's been a solid big guy. He clogs up the middle. He 
grabs rebounds. He it works well out of the high post. Ball movement is always key. I think he finishes well around the rim. He has great hands. You see him with the odd, you know, drop every once in a while. But overall, what Jakob Pertl has provided for the Raptors is stability in a position that they didn't have since the championship year. Right? Like some Raptors fans took for granted the fact that you had a center position that was Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. Right? That was a thing of beauty to watch. And then you had to struggle through some years of Alex Len, right? Like that didn't go well. What was my guy, the big guy? I'm drawing such a blank right now. And probably because I'm trying to forget the moment or the one year that he was a starting center for the Raps after they went away from Serge Ibaka. But having such a tough, and I mean, you tried to patch that with Ken Birch. That didn't really work either, but they tried. They tried, but Yak brings back stability. And I think that's a real important part for the Raps because you just need your big guy to be solid. And you look and night in, night out, he's in that double-double range. And tonight, look at this line, 15 points, 13 rebounds, six assists from Yakupertal. That's the reason they wanted him in there, right? To run that high post, to be able to move the ball, to be able to move the offense, to be able to contribute even when he doesn't have the ball, the ability to go get the ball. He doesn't need to have touches to be an effective piece in their offense. They got enough guys that need the ball. Yak is going to go get the ball. Yak is going to be a solid defender as he had three blocks in this game. And it's even bigger, and I hope that it gets emphasized enough and we big up enough, the fact that my guy confidently stepped up and knocked down free throws when it mattered most in this game. And that's that's huge. Because think about it. You, you'd be kind of rattled, right? If you're you're playing in a game and the team is purposely fouling you to send you to the line because they think you're going to miss free throws. Like That's their strategy. We're going to put you here to shoot free throws so that we can watch you miss. That's a tough life. That's a tough break. But Yak stepped up confidently and knocked them down. And I think he was a huge part. He's not going to have the biggest stat line of someone on the wraps, but I think you got to give him the credit for what he was able to do and accomplish in this game. And credit to him, man. Credit to him. I thought that was massive. Again, Raptors win 135 to 128 over the Atlanta Hawks. They snap a four-game losing streak, and <laughs> a great one for the Raps. 18 threes in this game. As mentioned, uh, Scotty Barnes with 27 points, OG with 22, Schroeder with 16. On the other end, you got Trey Young leading the way for the Hawks as he had 35 and 17 assists. Solid game for him, but too much from the Raps. The Raps' depth just proved to be too much for the Hawks. And that third quarter from the Raptors, once their three-point shooting got going, it was tough to stop. And then once the Raps started making defensive stops in the fourth, it was jam done. Credit where credit is due for the Toronto Raptors. And I think this comment here sums it up from the YouTubes. It says, I missed this winning feeling. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Big win for the Toronto Raptors. And I think 
you know, you look into the next game as they play the Hawks again, and I'm wondering what it will be like the second time around. What adjustments will be made if you're the Atlanta Hawks? Do the Raptors, you know, the Raptors, you have a chance here where you have four games at home, but your next two games, you play the Hawks again, and then you play Charlotte on Monday. And I think that if you're the Raptors, you got to, you, you got the first one now. You got to be thinking, can we win the next two to give ourselves a little three-game cushion here? Why not? Why not? Turn a four-game losing streak, flip that around into a three-game winning streak? Why not? Then you welcome Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and the champion Denver Nuggets into town. And we all know that this Raptors team likes to up their game when the competition gets upped as well. So I say, why not, kids? Right? Who's to say? Um, but yeah, this has been a great game, and it's good to get the vibes back because I feel like it was really, really getting depressing seeing Raptors Twitter just in shambles the last couple of days. It it was just like you had people who who I would deem to be the most like confident. Raptors fans, the most confident, you know, people that I've heard talk about some of the pieces that the Raptors have and hear them just talk in such like dark ways about the team, like questioning about, do I even turn on the game and watch? And you know, when people say that they're still turning on the game and watching because that's why they're fans. That's why they're real fans. Right. But at the same time, you see a game like this and you see the potential of what these guys can do. Because all the talk about, you know, is it Pascal or is it Scotty? It's like, if you build this team around those guys and their skill sets, then it makes sense. I think what happened with the Raptors, especially after the championship, was they were just maintaining assets, right? Did the pieces fit? Didn't really matter. They could figure it out. That's kind of the coach's job. But the most valuable asset was that athletic 6'8 to 6'9-ish guy who could switch everything, play defense, you know, handle the ball a little, shoot a little, do a little bit of everything. That became the most valuable asset in the NBA. And Masai was just sitting here collecting chips. And I feel like, you know, you might say he might have hung on to all the chips a little too long, but I still think no matter what, when you see Pascal play like he played tonight, you're going to have a lot of teams picking up the phone and trying to find out what do they got to do to get Pascal Siakam on their team. And as mentioned, I think it's important to also think about it in this term as well, right? Shouts to Josh Lewenberg. He wrote an article uh, for about the Rudy Gay trade, right? And it was 10 years ago, 10 year anniversary of that trade that, change the fortunes of this entire franchise and on paper right when you look at the trade and you think about okay well wait a second you know i know the diehards know right i know the diehards know but maybe you know we have some new people on some people that maybe joined late or in the middle of the run you know of the damar and kyle era the we the north era we'll say but if we go back to that deal, right? The Raptors trade Rudy Gay, Quincy AC, and Aaron Gray to Sacramento for four role players, Grievous Vasquez, 
Patrick Patterson, John Salmons, and Chuck Hayes. And you look at that trade on paper and you think, okay, well, the Raptors gave up the best player who's Rudy Gay, right? And what exactly are you getting back? Well, you got Grievous Vasquez, who was a great back backup point guard for the Raps. You got Patrick Patterson, who became a, a very reliable big guy off the bench, sometimes pseudo starter for the Raps. But he was one of those guys that was in that like, 6'8, 6'9, 6'10 range, you know, depending on the day. But he could step outside and knock down a three. He could get you some rebounds. He could play some solid defense. Then you got vets like John Salmons and Chuck Hayes, right? And really, what that team did, what that trade did, pardon me, was it just made the other pieces fit. Because with Rudy, and, and, and I'm saying this because I hope as you're listening to what I'm saying, you're seeing the correlation between that trade then and what the issues are with this Raptors team now. So at the time, you had Kyle, you had Rudy Gay, and you had DeMar. Whose team is it? Who's the face? Who's the leader? Who gets the ball in crunch time? Is it my turn? Your turn? When do I shoot? When do you shoot? All these things. And then you remove that with other guys that come in that on their own might not be as good as Rudy Gay, but with the role that they play, it better fits what the rest of the team was. So Grievous Vasquez comes in, and that's stability behind Kyle Lowry. Now, you know, the pressure isn't just on Kyle to play super heavy minutes because you got a really good backup point guard. That, hey, if it's a slow night where you don't have it going yet, you go to your bench, here comes Grievous, he gets the bench going, he gets the team going, and, and things kind of switch around. And also, he was a classic point guard. Yeah, he could shoot, yeah, he could do all that stuff, but he was also like a point guard point guard, trying to get other guys involved as well. But he played a role. He knew that it was Kyle's squad. He knew Kyle was a leader, and he had to fall in line behind him. Pat, Pat, same thing. I don't really need touches. I can hit the open three. I can get mine off offensive rebounds. And then John Salmons, you know, veteran wing player, veteran three and D guy, doesn't really need touches, but can get his own bucket here and there when needed. Chuck Hayes, that's just your vet vet, right? Just a big guy clogging the paint, gaining minutes, you know, buying you minutes at the big man spot, maybe getting you some extra fouls here and there, but also a vet in the room. What I'm saying is all those guys provided different roles to that Toronto Raptors team, roles that did not currently exist when they still had Rudy Gay and Quincy AC and Aaron Gray. And I look at this Raptors team now, and we spend so much time focusing on, is it Scotty's team or is it Pascal's team? And what should we do? When in reality, there's a world in which you keep Scotty and Pascal because you think they are good players and the two of them side by side can actually work, but you just figure out how you can put the pieces around them that fit better than what you currently see on this Raptors team. And there's a way that that happens, right? Because if you look at this team, you think you probably need like a point guard that is, you know, your classic point guard. And I know that those guys don't exist as much in this current NBA as they did before. But you need a point guard. You probably even need a backup point guard that 
You're not even saying he has to be better than Dennis Schroeder, but you just need someone either on the same level, someone who can pick up the slack, you know, when Dennis is having an off game, someone who can give you a consistent spark off the bench, someone who's going to get other guys involved, you know, but you're just adding depth. So Grievous was going to play every night. Salmon's going to play every night. Pat Pat was going to play every night. Those minutes add up. So now when you look at the Raptors bench as it is now, and you don't really know what you're going to get night in, night out from Precious, Chris Boucher is going to hustle, but you know he's limited in terms of what he's contributing on a night in, night out basis. Malachi, we're starting to see flashes, but it's kind of the same thing. It's not consistent enough right? Doesn't really have the experience or like the track record of putting in enough consistent work. But imagine if you were able to move a piece and I'm not, this isn't me saying trade OG, trade Gary Trent. Don't do this. Like, it's not me saying that it's saying taking the pieces and the assets that you have now and trading those things out to get pieces that better fit around whomever the players are you think can work. And right now, when you look at this team, you're thinking, I mean, it's tough to deny Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes are your two best players, right? Is there a world, is there a way that you could build around those two guys with pieces that fit? Obviously the first thing you really need is shooters. I think you need another guard that can like create off the dribble, but also knock down open shots to space the floor. I think that would be the first thing that I would try to get. And I say that after watching we talked about it during the Knicks game, right? The luxury of, you know, guys that were available that you could get if you're the Raptors, right? Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, those guys aren't like big name acquisitions that would have taken you a lot to get, but they're just targeted skill set type guys that you're putting around a Julius Randle to space the floor. You're putting around a slasher like RJ Barrett to space the floor. You're putting around a guy like Jalen Brunson who likes to get busy in the paint and drive and kick, but you see how the pieces fit better. That's all I'm saying. Because line up player for player. We were talking about this earlier in the office. I posed this question. If you lined up Scotty Barnes and Pascal, would you rather have those two guys would you rather have Julius Randle and Brunson? Think about that. The point is, the point that I'm trying to make overall is, it's about the pieces that are around them that makes the difference in your overall decision. Because player per, for player, how many teams in the league can boast to have two players as good as Scotty Barnes and Pascal? I'm just saying this as all this talk comes up about trading Pascal. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, is there a world in which you could build a team around Scotty and Pascal and be successful? Because I think you can do it. And I think if you just look back in the history of the Toronto Raptors, we've seen it done before. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not claiming to know what the answer is. Just a guy worked in the industry for a very long time, watched a lot of basketball, have written about a lot of basketball, have interviewed a lot of guys about basketball, have talked a lot about basketball. And I just give my opinion, right or wrong or indifferent. I just try to give you the information and let you come to your own conclusions. But the biggest thing is you're not like the Detroit Pistons, if you're the Raps, right? You're not like 
you know, I mean, the Spurs are a different thing because they just got Wemby and who knows how long they're going to tank for. But my point is you're not the Washington Wizards, right? You're not hopeless. Like you have talented pieces there that you know you can build around. It's not like you're trying to trick us into, you know, we're going to build around Jordan Poole and Kuzma. Like that's not the game plan here, right? You got talented pieces here. So as the old adage that, you know, dominated this city for the last decade, do you still believe in Maasai? Right? Because I still believe in Maasai. I think everybody in the organization just has to lock back in and can figure this stuff out because you got some good players here. You can figure it out. You got assets. You got trade chips. You can figure this out. And the Raptors, for, for their side of things, they figured it out tonight, snapping their four-game losing streak with the one 35-128 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Pascal Siakam leading the way with 33-7-7. But the big story is everyone's going to talk about five of six from three for Pascal. Huge night for Scotty Barnes as he had 27. OG with 22. Schroeder also chipping in with 16. And on the flip side, your man's Trey Young, 35 points, 17 assists. Also got some help from DeJounte Murray and Bogdanovich each putting in 20 themselves. Raptors win the first of two games against the Atlanta Hawks. Zay hosts the Hawks again on Friday. Raps look, hey, you got to start a win streak. It starts with one all the time. So maybe the Raps can put together some wins and inch their way back to 500 as, you know, got another chance to do it against the Hawks, a team that you're in and around that a team that you could be battling with for the play-in spots later on. So those head-to-head matchups are even more important. So why not start a win streak? That's what I say, Raptors fans. Thank you for tuning into this Wrap It Up podcast. As mentioned, my name is Sheldon Alexander. Please make sure you follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter, at Shell Alexander, or on Instagram, Sheldon Alexander. And you can find me right here, on this podcast following each and every Toronto Raptors game you can interact with us live on YouTube at Canada Hoops Daily that's a YouTube page make sure you subscribe and like the video if you're watching this right now same thing goes for Twitter or the app formerly known as Twitter at Can Hoops Daily that's how you can interact with the show live and if you ever miss the pod we got you covered on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts under the Canada Hoops Daily brand. Huge shouts Canada Hoops Daily for bringing back the Wrap It Up podcast because I'm fired up. I love doing it. It's exciting. It gives me the energy, gives me the juice. And huge shouts to the people at Canada Hoops Daily because we got more, more in store coming soon. Stay tuned to the accounts. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and on Twitter, as mentioned before. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back again on Friday as the Raptors take on the Hawks again, looking to make it two in a row. But in the meantime, I always say I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.